You are listening to The Edge, a podcast for personal development junkies and visionaries living right at the precipice of oh shit meets fuck yeah. I'm Nadia Munda, an embodiment and relationship coach and a lover of all edges. Stick around to listen to raw, unpolished conversations where we explore our personal and collective edges in all their erotic glory. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited to chat with you today, Kendra. I'm so, so excited that you're here and that my, my people get to get to know you um, either a little bit more intimately if they already know you um, or they get to know you for the first time. So hi. Mm, hi. hi, I'm excited hi, hi. too. <laughs> so for everyone listening, um, Kendra gosh, if there's one word I could describe her with, which is like, I mean, that's so unfair to have to describe anyone with just one word, but I'll just put it out there. Wise is the word Mm -hmm. that comes to mind when I think of her. Um, I've worked with her as my coach in a few different capacities. Um, I initially uh, worked with her in the relationship, the embodied relationship salon with John Wineland. And um, after that, I worked with her one-on-one for a while. And I've always said that if I had to choose one life coach to have in my back pocket for the rest of my life, it would definitely be her. So I'm just excited for everyone to, um, to get to know her a little bit more. And um, I'm just going to dive right in. Let's go. Let's go for it. I would love to hear from you. What's one edge that you've been exploring lately in your work, in your life? What's something that's been coming up for you that feels like an edge you're working on? Mm. Such a great question. I feel like... um, Well, I would say one that weaves both personally and professionally is around, um, I don't know quite how to say this. Part of me wants to say it's like relaxing, just relaxing into what is so. Mm. And, And personally, part of what that looks like, like I had, um, in a peer, like a peer group that I'm part of, I had said I was creating more space for myself. Mm. And then one of the women asked me, she's like, so how does that space feel? And I noticed I responded really quickly. I was like, it's great. And I I couldn't figure out like what something was niggling in the back of my mind. And later that day, I was like, oh, I don't know that I've actually rested into the space. I think I'm avoiding it. And I was caught off guard by the question. And so I was like, yeah, of course, more space. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) And so it, it helped me go like, oh, right. Okay. So what does it actually mean to lean into the space I've created? Or what is, you know, what is it that I'm quote unquote doing if I'm not doing something? Or what does it actually mean to you know, even at a physical level, right. To like relax into the space I live in or to sit back or to pause or to, um, and it, and it weaves its way into my work too, just in the sense of, you know, what, what is the, what is actually the negative space or 
um, the waiting before responding or the not always filling the space. Um, and so I kind of feel like I'm in a listening. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't know, I would say it's a challenge, but it does feel like an edge. Mm-hmm. 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 And it's, it's such a, it, it, I think it's edgy for, for anyone living in this time in history. Right. And in, in also in particular in the Western world, because we love to mm-hmm. shove so many things into the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think there is that, you know, I mean, certainly the way you're talking about, right. Like, well, what am I doing or what am I creating? Or if I'm, you know, someone asked me also recently, um, like what it, what's on offer right now, or what am I selling or something, you know, something like that. And, and how is that in line with my deepest values? And I realized I'm not selling anything. Like there's literally nothing anybody could buy or join. And I was like, oh, that's also in line with my values is that there are, there are these ebbs and these flows and I'm not always offering something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I mean, you mentioned also just in the world today, right. It can feel like there's always something that needs to be done. I mean, and, and what is it also to sort of watch or wait or listen, but not from, passivity or not because I don't care, but like in an engaged way and go, what is actually my, my right action or my right engagement? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it feels also like, you know, we're so out of balance in the modern Western world with like output, output, giving, giving, Mm -hmm. right. As a coach, there's so much like got to offer something else. What's the call to action? Where are we going? What are we doing this week? What are we offering value on Instagram, you know, about (laughs) so on and so forth. And there's a lot of that and, um, less focus on those times for input, Mm. uh, that the, those times for receiving. And again, you know, um, it feels so, so perfect. And in parallel with, with how I met you, which is in, you know, the world of, of polarity and, and mm-hmm. so much uh, work around masculine feminine and the idea of, okay, we, the output is, is very much the dynamic masculine. We're constantly giving, 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 outputting, outputting, outputting. And um, we, we can get ourselves burnt out and sort of off balance if we're not also nurturing the receiving and the feminine that um, gets to take in information and also receive messages and guidance as to, okay, well, what's next? What do I want to actually offer the world? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So I would love for you to share with everyone listening. What's one thing that would surprise them to know about you? Hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I think the most surprising, like, or I don't know if this is so surprising. Maybe people will hear this and be like, yeah, we know that Kendra. Mm-hmm. Um, but often I almost feel like the thing that I'm, that I'm worried people will find out maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like more, it's just like, I feel so normal or mundane. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think again, it's kind of, it's so connected to what we were talking about before, right? Like, like have have what's what's unique about you, or what's, um, I don't know, like have you have a hot take 
Um, <laughs> and, and even like, I was just having a, a voicemail conversation with a friend of mine and she was reflecting back something about how I left her a message and I was like cleaning and, and there's, and there's been this layer of like, she was realizing, oh, Kendra doesn't have a house cleaner or she must enjoy cleaning or this. And I was like, well, I don't know if I enjoy it, but I really, I do, um, there is, I, I put value on the mundane. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also partly just a reflection of who I am in terms of simplicity or, or like, it's, it's just kind of like, yeah. And then we clean the bathroom floor um, or I just like to read novels mm-hmm. or um, yeah, things like that. Like I often think I had somebody was really surprised one time they, they learned that I ate hamburgers. They were like, I was sure you were a vegetarian. I was like, I have no idea what gave you that, but I think there is like a vibe. <laughs> it can be like the the kind of granola, I don't know, vegetarian, only reads personal growth books or something. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. What, why do you think that is? Why, why would you give off that image? Um, why would I get out that? That is a great question. Cause I was surprised that she was surprised. I mean, this was a number of years ago and I was like, what would make you think I was a vegetarian? <laughs> um, she's like, that just seems like the kind of person you are. Mm. So let's see. I guess I would, I would kind of dive into the intersection between like, do I give off that vibe and, or is there this meeting between that's just what we assume about quote unquote, certain types of people. And somehow I fit into a type of person (laughs) like gardens or, you know, um, or that I should be this way because I'm a teacher in a certain realm I also often think about social media and we all know it doesn't depict reality. And, uh, and I often think that it's less because, I mean, certainly to some extent, maybe all of us, but some, you know, certainly some of us like curate more than others, but I often think it's not even like an intentional curating. It's just like, oh, I don't like, it doesn't occur to me to take a picture of my, you know, the frozen waffle that I fed my kid last week. Yeah. Um, like it occurs to me to take a picture of the strawberries that I picked from my own garden and, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's then what people see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I do, you know, have some intention around like, oh, let's, you know, what it, what is the holistic picture, but I don't know that it's always there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, it's interesting because the other thing I, I I noted that I really wanted to talk to you about, and I feel like this sort of fits into to this, is is nuance because I think this is a place that you are a master in. Um, it's throughout the years just watching you write and express or answer questions in different you know uh, programs and containers. Um, there's there's this beautiful way in which you bring in different angles, different facets, different layers of reality of what's true of answers to the question. And it, it seems to me as though just in talking about like the burger and, oh, you seem like a vegetarian. Like Mm -hmm. that is such a prime example of how so much of, you know, social media and just like our image is, 
personas, quote unquote, <laughs> um, in the just in the industry that we work in, but just how much we end up being like labeled or sort of forced into a particular niche, like, oh, you must work with, you know, I help women who fill in the blank, <laughs> right? Like we all mm-hmm. get taught that. Yeah. Between um, the ages of 33 and, and 35. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's like, actually part of why I would have you as um, my life coach in my back pocket for the rest of my life is because I feel I can bring you anything in any realm, right? Whether it's my relationship or big existential questions I have or a specific business strategy that I'm struggling with. And so um, let me feel into what the question here is. I think I just wanted to present this topic of nuance because it came at a time where you were talking about in a way being pigeonholed, right. Or being Mm. like, um, unintentionally like labeled as, as something that you actually are not. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious what you think you like, what do you attribute your, um, ability to really explore nuance? Like, where does that come from? Where do you think like what Mm -hmm. life experiences or, yeah, things do you think about when um, you think about your ability to really explore the different layers of what's true? Mm-hmm. It's a big question, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's great though, because it, it like there are just these these things that pop into my mind, you know, and there it's a little bit like um, just different little stars in a constellation. So I don't know if any one of them is the the whole story, but. I do. So I I was raised Buddhist and I was raised in a Buddhist community. And even though it's the minority of my life, in a sense that I would say I've spent actually as a practicing Buddhist, um, I think that there is something foundational in that. And and that is such a foundational Buddhist concept, basically, right? Not one, not two. There's a whole, the Heart Sutra, you know, is roughly translated, right? No eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no, but, and also no extinction of it, right? It's very much in the, the non-dual. Mm-hmm. And so I, ha- I, I think I always have to give some credit to that and like whatever way the explicit teachings came in, but also just in whatever way growing up in a community that was exploring what does it mean to awaken to this non-dual reality, mm-hmm. which to me, I mean, I feel like I'm like, like a hardcore non-dualist, which is like not even non-dual, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not either dual or non-dual. It's both. Yeah. We're, we're both. Which is non-dual. Which is <laughs> literally, it's like the <laughs> ultimate non-dual perspective. <laughs> such a head fuck. (laughs) It really is. And it it comes, you know, because I I specifically teach boundaries and it'll come Mm -hmm. up in those contexts. They'll be like, yeah, but what if we're just all one or aren't these separation? And, Mm -hmm. and to me, it's like, well, that is one part of reality, right? One truth is that we are all one. And the other truth is that I'm me and you're you. And, you know, we, and we have to live both. Yeah. So yeah. So there's that. Right. That's like a big mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also think so in the community I grew up in, I mean, we really, I really lived in the wilderness until I was about 11. And I think that there is something about 
that kind of, um, I mean, it was dark when it was dark, right? We didn't have electricity and it was light when it was light and it was hot when it was hot. It was cold when it was cold. And, and, and really also just like, there is so much nuance in wild nature mm-hmm. um, that I, I think I probably can't overestimate the impact that that's kind of witnessing the ebb and the flow of that and really living quite immersed in it for all those formative years. Mm. Um, Somebody asked me one time, basically, like if I could teach one thing, what would it be? And I was like, well, that, that is actually the experience. It wouldn't really be a teaching. I would want everybody to have that kind of experience in their life. Wow. Yeah. And you're talking to someone who like grew up in (laughs) very different circumstances. Well, actually I did have a lot of dark because we had no electricity, but I was definitely in a city and the, well, it was its own wilderness, but the concrete jungle. Um, So we, I have to ask how, when you say you grew up the first, um, like, I think it was 11 years, you said in the wilderness, how, what, can you give more context? Like what were you guys like living well, outside? For the very, no, so we okay. didn't live outside, but for the, my very early years. So mm. the Zen community I grew up in is Tassajara Zen Mountain Center, which is a Buddhist center in Northern California. And it's basically right in the middle of the Ventana wilderness. Mm. And so the only way to drive there is right. You drive down to Carmel and then you drive inland about 30 minutes from Carmel. You get to Carmel Valley, you drive another 40 minutes inland from there. And, and that in Carmel Valley is like where the last gas station is. Right. And then you drive another 30 to 40 minutes and you get to this place where the paved road turns dirt. Mm. And then it's 14 miles over a dirt road that ends in the valley that is Tassajara. And it takes an hour to drive those 14 miles because in many places it's a one lane road. Yeah, It's only graded once or twice a year. It goes pretty much straight up and then straight down. And, and so in that, you know, we were in community, we lived in these little cabins. Um, But you know, the, the, each person or each little family would have its own cabin, but we ate communally. We bathed communally. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, we didn't, we didn't have electricity. We had kerosene lamps. One of the famous stories about me is that I drank kerosene when I was two years old. No, no. How did, what, what, how did, what happened? I I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but my mother says she, cause so on certain days we would do all of the tending, right. You know, they'd be these kind of quote unquote days off and we'd fill, refill the kerosene lamps and kerosene was kept in these um, plastic jugs and it's clear. Oh no. You know, she must've (laughs) done the tending and then she probably stepped out for a minute, like a hot minute. Right. And then she walked in and she said, I had my stuffed animals all set up and I was having a tea party and I like poured kerosene. I don't know how I didn't smell it. I'm I'm not sure. Oh, but she watched me basically take a sip. (gasps) And then just like, ah, you know, that is not water. Oh my God. Maybe yeah. that's why you're so wise. Yeah. Right. Just, you know, <laughs> just kind of drink, you know, one sip of kerosene. Okay. So we found the formula to wisdom yeah. guys, a <laughs> little bit of kerosene, a lot of wilderness. <laughs> 
amazing. And then just, so we left there when I was about six, Mm. but we continued to live uh, about two miles up that dirt road. And I lived with just my mom. We lived in a trailer. You couldn't see any other houses. Um, We had an outhouse, you know, we still had kerosene lamps and like I had a, you know, a a battery powered radio, got Mm -hmm. one station was the local country station. (laughs) so funny. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so this is a big part of it. Got it. Got it. Wow. I, you know, I knew a little bit about, um, that, but not to this extent. And so it feels really, uh, really cool to, yeah, just hear a little bit more about the first few years of your life on earth. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so I know later, as an adult, you, um, you were very much, um, not really sure actually exactly what your role was, but I know that you were involved in the authentic relating worlds. Can you share a little bit more about that? It's great. Cause that was actually this other piece that popped up when you were mm-hmm. talking about, mm-hmm. it's kind of around nuance. It's kind of around also this, this, you can bring anything, right? Like nothing is not welcome yeah. in this space. And I mean, I like to think that's just true about me. It's definitely something that I aim for, but in terms of the containers I create, it is like that too, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not, yeah, it's, it's not so, so uh, limited in that way. And one thing that I remembered about that was before we even really created the, what is now kind of the larger authentic relating community, which, you know, is really just has a life of its own mm-hmm. um, all around the world. But the very first piece of that was my ex-husband and his business partner began a program called the Authentic Man Program. And it was for women who wanted to have better relationships with, sorry, for men who wanted to have better relationships with women. And one of my experiences in this program was, so we had a team of women and we would come in on the final day and basically, you know, do exercises with men and give them real feedback about our experience of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, And every time I would walk in in the morning and there'd be like one guy and I'd be like, I don't like him. I don't want to work with him. And I would always end up working with him. And I would always like, I would be like, oh, I get you now. Mm. Right. Like whatever that thing is that I didn't like, like, oh, I, like, I understand where that came from. or I understand why you come across that way. And actually I love you. It always became my favorite. And it happened enough times that I was like, I'd walk in, I'd be like, I don't like him. All right. Like, I'm going to love him. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that really taught me just early in, you know, my quote unquote career, if you will, this experience of, um, you know, it's certainly not that we should put up with shitty behavior from people by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it really just showed me something about who people are and that's different than like necessarily how they come across or who you think they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's a big one in and of itself. I mean, it's a lifetime. Yeah. But I think it got, it was, I mean, I feel so grateful. Like we were in our early twenties, we had no business basically doing what we were doing in some ways, but like at at such a pivotal time, right. You know, and to have this happen over and over and just be like, oh, oh, right. Okay. Right. Humanity is so, it's just so complex and where we come from is so nuanced and, 
Um, and people really do want to love and be loved. Like people really do want to love and be loved. Yeah. 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 And is that what got you more and more interested in the relationship and intimacy world? Yeah, I think in a way, like from specifically the men's work, which was kind of focused on intimate relating. Mm -hmm. I mean, the men would, that was always why they'd come in. And then often they would get whole other things, but that was definitely, you know, what would bring the men in. And then in a way we did sort of take a left turn from there and, and broaden out more into this, oh, what is this wider realm of relationality? Um, and I did, you know, there was just sort of exploration, like in that time, while we were still leading authentic relating and the authentic man program, like I started working for a dating company in San Francisco. I was a matchmaker for a while. Oh my God. That's it was so cool. <laughs> like awful. I mean, I would have nightmares. <laughs> I had to leave that job when I started having nightmares about oh, trying God. to match people. <laughs> Um, you were a matchmaker. Oh my God. I can't get over that. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Wow. It's like, I, I feel like as I'm getting to know more details about just the different like phases and chapters of your life. And I feel, um, I have a, a better understanding of, um, why you're and how you're so equipped to get into mm-hmm. all these completely different like areas of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. And so wait, so, but what your role with authentic relating was what exactly? So it was you with your, your ex-partner mm-hmm. and yeah, just to, can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, in some way I would say there was a wider community that I would, I would call all the founders Um, and definitely there was a certain role that my ex-husband and I played in that. Like we ran the company out of our home for several years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like we laid our relationship down, like on the altar of that work. (laughs) I don't know that our, um, you know, that our marriage would have lasted longer anyway. Like I kind of feel like we came in or we came together to, to like really, uh, put that forth into the world and to have a child. And, and we did both of those things. Um, but it was really hard to, (laughs) to do that. Mm. And, uh, but there was a, there was a crew of probably like a dozen of us that were really right there at the beginning and Mm. leading authentic relating games nights and just like starting to branch out and, and train, you know, and then of course there's always like, people want to learn, how do you do what you do? Mm. Um, so leading train the trainers and then just sort of watching it, it mushroom out, um, in kind of wild and, and beautiful ways. And I think similar to what I said about being raised in the Buddhist community, like there's just these very foundational pieces for me that, that thread their way into my work probably forever. Um, but I haven't been actively engaged in, you know, what I might call the authentic relating world for Mm, I don't know, almost a decade, probably a little, probably a little less, like eight years or so. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the question, I'm I'm pretty sure this isn't originally an authentic relating question. And it was, um, 
it, it's forever ingrained in my head is the best question ever. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's like what I don't want you to know about me is fill in the blank. Yeah. Uh, is that a, that is authentic relating, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I also had a, uh, I can, I can't remember. Maybe that even was the question. There was something like I had to share. I was like, wait, I don't want you to know about me is that I want credit for that sentence. Um, um, but I've also just watched, right. It's like a dandelion, right. And as it's just disseminated around the world, like, of course, people have ideas for the, for you know, exercises and questions and sentence stems and, and, the, and these various practices and stuff. And, and we'll have the same idea halfway around the world. Mm. So like who created any of it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that goes back into like, we're all sort of downloading from the same uh, spiritual creative iCloud is how I yes. like to think about it. But, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I did that question just, it means so much to me because I remember when I first got into the coaching world at the very, very beginning as an itty bitty little green coach, um, that was one of the first questions I encountered. And um, my, my ex-partner was also very much into authentic relating and and that question was one that he started a lot of his containers with and being around him, like it just, I was like, wow, this question really opens people in a way I've never seen before. And so it's just mm. etched, etched in my consciousness forever. And there's ever a time where I'm like, people are not going deep enough. That's the right. question I ask. <laughs> so um, it's really, it's, it's, it's cool how uh, then, you know, our paths crossed in a different way, how I got to also then work with you in a completely different style container where we were working with the heart and the body and polarity and masculine and feminine energies. And like, it's just, it feels like such a, yeah, there's the vibe of that container was very different. And then I know you've also worked, um, you worked for a while, uh, you know, in the, uh, was it four PC? I think it's called right. Mm -hmm, the four PC mm -hmm. world um, with Rich Litvin, and I know that's also like uh, such a different uh, energy and, and container there for high achieving individuals. And so um, there's, I'm just fascinated. Really, I'm just here complimenting you. <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> I'm you. <laughs> fascinated by all the complete. You know, there's like the wilderness wisdom. There's the Buddhist wisdom. There's the, you know, uh, Rich Litvin is someone who I continuously go back to and listen to coaching because I find that he's such a masterful coach. So there's mm -hmm. also, you know, that that world, and then the 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 polarity and sort of tantra world, and so all of that sort of um, bridges together like in your body, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, it, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I like, I mean, I feel like there's some unique expression of that in me. Um, I do hear in human design that there's some reflection of the manifesting generator that, 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 that there is that it's right. Like multi um, curious mm -hmm. and I have always felt that way. Even before I got into any of this work, I was a nanny and while I was a nanny, I was also an administrative assistant, like at home mm. for one of Francis Ford Coppola's attorneys. <laughs> and I love, like, it was actually ideal for me that I had these very different roles and mm. I could show up like really in one way in one, and then really in another way in another, I had, I was an administrative assistant for, um, and like an international company for a while in downtown San Francisco. And for me, that was like, 
like I know for some people that, you know, that's the thing. And then they branch out to, you know, go more into their authentic relating self or something like that. But for me, I was like, oh my God, you know, I get to like dress up in a, in a suit and, and like do this thing and be like a normal person. And, um, (laughs) and even when I had that job, I was always doing like a dozen different things to the point where no one ever knew where I was in the building because I was helping like this team with this and this team with this. And I would do Mm -hmm. this thing downstairs and I would do this thing over here. And I just always gravitated towards having a lot of different ways to play. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, why not? Right. I think that we need to get, um, I don't know why this analogy is coming to mind, but it's like the sensation I'm feeling in my body. Like we need to scratch all the itches <laughs> mm. um, where it's just like, Ooh, here and here. It's sort of like when someone starts, um, you know, when you have an actual like itch on your back and you're like, Oh, can you just scratch that one spot? And then you're like, okay, but can you move up a little? And then actually can you go down and to the left? <laughs> I don't know why it feels like that, but in terms of like career and passions and interests, like it's like just a little over here, a little that way. <laughs> Well, I actually, I mean, again, I think I could just be totally biased because this is how I like to work and live. Um, but I was listening to Martine Prechtel talk the other day and he was talking about being raised on the reservation. And he basically said like, everybody knew how to do everything. Mm. I mean, you knew how to cook your food and you knew how to make your shoes and you knew how to do the basket weaving and you knew, but there was this person over here who did it like the most beautiful or the most exceptional this. And so you would go to them for that, but it wasn't because you didn't know how to do it. And I do think that humans are somewhat innately wired to have more of like a multi-passionate or multi-skilled life. Yeah. And it's a little bit um, like, like it is, it's, I think, I mean, not to be too dramatic about it, but I think it it is part of what's kind of killing us or like our soul is this niching and specializing. And I only do this. I only work with these kinds of people in these kinds of ways. And Mm. um, yeah, I think there's a real loss there. Well, it sounds like, again, going back to the, the concept of it's, non-dual for something to be, you know, for you to be holding both the duality and the non-duality. I feel like there's in a way your niche is mastering, (laughs) is mastering like nuance and multifaceted like interest. Mm. Mm, I love that. Um, Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm trying to figure out what the geometry of this concept is like visually. Mm. And I can't, Mm. I can't find it. I'm like, is it a spiral? Is it a thing inside a thing? Anyways, well, (laughs) we'll see if something appears. Mm. Um, okay. Well, uh, I want to talk a little bit about boundaries because this is another thing that I, when I think about you, I think about boundaries because you speak to this a lot. You teach to this a lot. I think you might've even had a full program on this, I feel. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And you uh, famously once wrote, (laughs) boundaries Mm -hmm. are inherently intimate. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, partly it came through that process of of creating the the more in-depth program around boundaries which which again originated and this this does happen for me it's like sometimes things will be in reaction 
And often if I'm kind of irritated by something, it is pointing to that. I have, I like, I have a perspective that I think is valuable. So I was, I was feeling irritated several years ago uh, about what I was seeing people say about boundaries. And it was all, or at least most, right. What was irritating me was the, the amount that I was seeing about it being separative or about what we're saying no to, like there was like, that was the distinct bent. Mm. And there was a real, I mean, it still comes through, but there was just seemed like there was this period of time where it was all about like the, you know, the, the unfollow button, the block button, the, and that, it, that it was always in response. And it was about what we don't want in our mm. space. And, um, and it just really led me to this place of like, to me, the, you know, we could talk about boundaries as container and like sacred container and that it's as much, you know, if we say this is what's going to happen inside this space, mm. now what needs to be put in place to protect that? Mm. If this is, if this is what, you know, we, we could say what we want to have happen or what this space is for, which could, you know, it can be all the way to the explicit ceremonial or just this is what happens inside my home, you know, or this is what happens in the relationships I'm part of, or this is how we do, you know, this is how we do here. Yeah. And then what is it that, that holds that? And then really feeling that I was like, oh, when I, you know, if somebody bumps my boundary or if I bump their boundary, we're actually touching. And, and there's, um, I think sometimes people are so afraid of that, that initial bump that then that becomes that fear, right? Or the walking on eggshells and we just never touch each other. Like, I hope I never touch somebody, you know, in a way that they might say no to <laughs> and, you know, physically, but I just mean, I just mean like the way we live, right? I hope I never say anything or I hope it, you know, that there isn't any of this touching, but that's, that's where we actually touch. That's actually an opportunity where I'm like, oh, there, there you are. Yeah. Oh, so now I get to actually experience you because here we are connected. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that feels, I, I just kept thinking of the image that I think initially was written by David Data of the river being both the water and the riverbed. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm thinking of the boundaries as the riverbed, the container, the holding of, you know, mm -hmm. what's in, of the energy of what's inside. And as opposed to, we often think about, I think more in, in mainstream pop culture, the idea of like boundary being a wall, a divider, a exactly. like you said, it's yeah. concept of separateness, um, as opposed to actually, no, it's containing all of me and of course, I am the universe, so it gets a little complicated too, because then we're back into the dual non-dual thing <laughs> where it's like, yeah. okay, but we're, but there's this holding as opposed to just separating. Well, and they're all, I mean, people will say like boundaries are, are um, you know, an artificial constraint and again, non-dual, dual, it's sort of like you can say like, yes, I mean, they're all create, even the riverbed is created. Yeah. Um, and and it's also okay if they're sort of quote unquote, like artificial or a created constraint, 
that even this sense that I am the universe and then there is this container is like, okay, well, we're just going to play with it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there, this, this place, and it, it's interesting because it, it, it ends up weaving into the whole masculine feminine realm. Mm. And again, I see more often with women, right. This idea of like, I'm just going to live in my feminine all the time. And it's gonna be <laughs> fabulous. And oh God. The an- I, I know, you know, <laughs> um, but the analogy that I've been using about that is sort of this idea that it's like, I have this amazing bottle of wine, you know, yeah. or I don't know if you don't drink alcohol, right. It'd be like this exquisite mocktail. Yeah. And then I just come out, you know, and I'm holding like a beautiful dinner party and I just pour it all over the table and I'm like, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you not enjoy it? You know, like, um, and that a, a wine glass or a beautiful mm. cocktail glass is also a container is also an artificially created construct that we pour things into, to hold them in just the right way mm. on per- for, for purpose. Yeah. It's not forever, you know, your wine shouldn't live in there all the time, but you know, neither do we want to lock it in the basement forever, nor do we want to pour all over the table, nor, you know, it's like mm. containers and boundaries also get to arise and get put away. And we use it for this purpose and to hold us in this way. And then we don't need it for this time. And then it arises again. And, you know, it's, it's um, fluid might not be the, quite the right word, but it's alive, right? It's a living process. Mm. Yeah. The other thing that also comes to mind when you're talking about this is, is very simply the, 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 the idea that when we are able to speak and share and express our boundaries around something in, in relationships, right? We, uh, we can soften, we can relax, we can exhale, we can uh, just, we feel more safe. So mm-hmm. it also creates a safety that allows for more intimacy because by mm-hmm. softening, we become more intimate. Mm-hmm. Totally. We allow for, we are an opportunity for intimacy at least. Well, yeah. I mean, I think about the way that like cats will find the smallest <laughs> container they can fit in, right? And yeah. they'll get in there and then they just like completely become liquid. Yeah. And that that is actually this opportunity rather than resisting other people's boundaries or um, you know, waiting, being like, oh, well, it's just, it's completely your responsibility to name and state and hold your boundaries, which in one sense, again, true, mm-hmm. but I would say that, you know, if we zoom out and we can add a layer of truth, oh, I can also feel what might help you relax. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't hold the boundary way out here, because you said that's okay. Um, but I just, you know, I moved the boundary in just a little closer so that your body went like, oh, you know, now I don't have to think about, are we going to bump up against that? Or is that going to happen? Or what's going to happen next? Or Yeah. yeah. I, this cat thing is so, I never <laughs> even like, I mean, I've, I've lived with a few cats. I, I know this behavior, but it never occurred to me that it can feel I know exactly like now I feel it in, in my embodied sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, right. Like when someone hugs you tight, you can uh, relax. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, some people love those tiny little bedrooms where it's like, actually, I don't like a big bedroom because I, I like to be cocooned. I can like relax more into mm. uh, my bed and just actually sleep well when I'm in this tiny little 
cave. Mm -hmm. um, some people have that preference. I don't, but, <laughs> but I, I understand the sensation now a little bit more of like, oh, right. Like when you're tucked in, it's like, you know, those, I always get targeted on Instagram with those, um, uh, I don't know what they officially call them, but it's like, it's like you're burritoed into like, it's like a sleeping bag, but it hugs you. Whoa, and that sounds awful. <laughs> I know. I don't like it. It's not my style. I don't know why they're targeting me, but it's similar to a weighted blanket, which I also don't appreciate personally, mm -hmm. but I understand the sensation, but yeah, where you like, you get into this tiny little burrito blanket and then everyone feels better after, I guess, when they sleep mm -hmm. again, not me, but, um, I get why, <laughs> but I think like in the realm of, I mean, like a really kind of mundane example is just time time as a container. Mm. And if, if you and I are making plans, I mean, you did this at the beginning, you were sort of like, so this is about how long, like, do you have a hard stop, right? You're sort of checking. And there's that sense that then, oh, I feel like I'm held, right? Like I can just let go. I can just share. I can be in the conversation and you're not going to run it to the very last minute so that I'm kind of like, do I need to say something? I mean, we're still recording. Should I let her know I have to go <laughs> where I just, I get a little, you know, I'm probably relaxed for the first 45 minutes and then I get a little on edge and, and we, and, and in relationship, we do that too. Like, well, how much time do you have? Like, well, you know, I need to be somewhere at this time. Mm. And if then the other person goes like, great, so let's end it this time, you know, so mm -hmm. that you have plenty of time to get there. Then suddenly it's like, oh yeah. And now I give you my full attention and my mind isn't thinking about, well, when do I need to tell you that I need to leave? And is it going to be rude? And are we going to be in the middle of something? And will I have enough time? And, and that's just like a very simple surface example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think about too, I mean, it's like, the, it is these little, these little things. Like one time uh, my mom had people over at my house and they walked in and they saw all our shoes by the door. And they said like, oh, is this a shoes off house? And before I even had a chance to respond, my mom said like, oh, don't worry about it. And I was like, you don't get to say that about my house. Mm. Whereas I might have said to them, oh, don't worry about it. But as soon as somebody else was saying, you don't get to have a boundary, my boundary felt stronger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as somebody's like, oh, I'd be happy to take my shoes off. I'm like, oh, don't worry. Just walk right on through to the bathroom. Like no need to take them. Right. You know, so we soften yeah. in the face of feeling our boundaries actually seen and witnessed and honored. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important one. Ah, okay. I'm like, Oh, there's so many places we can go. <laughs> Where do I go next? Okay. So one other concept I really wanted to make sure we, we got to a little in this conversation today is one that has been life altering for me. And it came up during our one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching container. And, uh, it was a prompt actually that you gave me. And since then it's become a key part of my teaching. And so I really wanted to, mm -hmm. uh, honor it, talk about it a little bit. And it actually loops back into the first question I asked about the edge you're exploring. And this is the idea of starting every day with an exhale instead mm -hmm. of an inhale. So we had worked on that. I don't know if you remember, but mm -hmm. I, you know, very, <laughs> along with I'm sure other people who are listening and in the world, uh, start the day going, <gasps> okay, let's go. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm notorious at, uh, you know, having a previous career as a film producer, it was a lot of inhale, a lot of get ready to go. And a lot of what we worked on was, okay, what would it be like if actually the beginning of my day started as the exhale, the emptying out, 
the letting it all go and then seeing how the organic inhale happens after. Mm -hmm. And it still feels like such an important embodied experience for people to like, just try on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also felt really connected to what you were talking about with the pause, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what is, I'm in this place of trying to like receive and not actually have something that I'm putting out into the world and selling. Um, Would you like to elaborate on this concept at all? Mm -hmm. I mean, what I love is the way that there is, like we can put that as a framework or a concept or a, like a lens on so many things, but just like you said, that using our actual breath and the actual exhale, I mean, I've since learned, I think that actually has this way of tapping into the vagus nerve, which I didn't know at the time. <laughs> so it, it, it has an, you know, actual physical biological response for us, but it is something that people can actually do which is so helpful for us. And, um, but it's, I mean, even our language really holds that, right? If I guide people in this, a lot of times it's no matter where you are in your breath cycle, you know, just, just go to your exhale, you know, to the bottom without strain, without any forcing, and then let your inspiration come naturally, right? The inhale is the inspiration. Mm-hmm. And and there is that sense that like, so often we're seeking to be inspired <laughs> in our lives, but we don't want to let go of anything. And it, it's funny. It actually reminds me, I mean, I haven't thought of this in years, but one of the first mushroom trips I ever had, mm-hmm. I was in high school and we were on the land of this friend of mine and somewhere along the way, like in her house, I picked up a, a pen. I think I had a pen. Um, there was like a little, uh, book in the shape of a golf ball it had like golf jokes or something. So I had this little book. Um, I found a chicken egg somewhere. I held this chicken egg. I mean, I don't like for hours, for oh hours, I carried God. all these things around and, and people would be like, how about you just set those things? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to put these things down. I don't put these things down. You know, like, oh like I just, I just got to carry them around. They're very important to me. <laughs> and and there are things that are, you know, that are important or that are precious to us. And, and there also is like, oh, maybe if I set this down, my hand will now be free, you know, to hold something else or I can, mm. or, or if I can exhale really here, right. There's a new breath that wants to come, or, you know, if I just let all these ideas go, mm-hmm. sometimes I have all of these little bits of paper all over my desk and I take tons of little notes. And then every once in a while, I just go through and I'm like, if I don't understand it, you know, within like 30 seconds, I'm like, well, then it's just gone or it'll come back or, Mm -hmm. um, and, and trusting it's like trusting the inhale, exhale cycle. Mm -hmm. It reminded me too, of what you said at the beginning around how that, that exhale that makes space to receive, it, it can be connected to the feminine and, and sometimes it isn't about, um, not, ju- not just outputting, but like inputting, right. It's mm-hmm. actually the space before the input 
so that there is a, an actual void for something to even enter into. Yeah. And that can, it's, a, it's unfamiliar to most of us, mm. Mm. Um, which often makes something feel scary if it's yeah. just unfamiliar. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me think of a, a concept that honestly, I, I wonder if, if this initially came to me, like I was taught it by, by you and John in the, in the relationship salon, or if, or if this is something that just came up in my coaching, I, I don't even know, but um, this idea of being, can you be an opportunity? Mm. It sounds like something you would say, which is why I'm like, I think it might've been in the salon, but I don't know for sure. And in relationship, right? I always think of, okay, how can I be an opportunity, an opportunity mm. to be met in whatever desire, need, vision, et cetera, I have. And I think it's the same in relationship to life to inspiration it's like how can I be an opportunity well I have to empty myself out to a certain degree mm. I have to slow down I have to pause I have to be in the listening and in the receiving otherwise I can be like life is not meeting me in these places da, 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 you know and just be like running around um, mm -hmm. in frenetic energy but that's not me being an opportunity to be met mm. Yeah, it's really just a beautiful, um, I don't know, there's something about when you say that, and I feel it, right, that, like, e even, even the question, right, it's, well, can I be an opportunity, what do I want to be an opportunity for, mm. right, even sort of that inquiry, um, it has me lean back a little bit, there is a pause, I don't, I don't necessarily think we always need to be slowing down, but there, in order to choose a pace versus just be in a habit of a pace, it does often require a pause. <laughs> yeah. And then we go like, oh, what pace do I want to be in? Mm -hmm. um, but there is something that, that in me that pauses and, and then reorients like, oh, yeah, well, what, yeah, what do I want to come towards me? What, what is already there that I may not even have noticed if I you know, kept moving or being the one gesturing forward or, yeah. yeah. Is there, <laughs> this, this, this question may defeat the purpose of, of, of being <laughs> an opportunity, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask it anyways and see what do you feel at this point with this pause that you're in that there's, um, a particular opportunity that you are looking to embody? Mm. Um, I don't know if this is quite, I don't I actually, don't, I don't know if this quite answers your question, but it's what popped up. Mm -hmm. I think there is in me, a desire to um, actually engage more politically mm. and 
And what I mean by that is just sort of more overtly, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying this is what I'm going to do, but um, I was listening to a podcast the other day and one of the pieces, it was this American life, actually, they did a piece that was about the overturn of row here in the United States. And, you know, they always have their various, um, I don't even know what they call them, but like chapter one, chapter two, anyway. So one of them was they interviewed this woman who's apparently she's like retired. She's an older lady and she illegally mails like prescription drugs within her state. So she receives all of them. And so that other people don't have to take the risk, right. Of doing the Google search and having their address and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, that's such an interest. Like there are all these ways that we can actually do action that have real impact. Mm. And I, I feel like I'm listening for that mm-hmm. for one of those things. That's like, I'm not, I'm not about to, you know, leave my family or stop doing my work or go protest all the time or, you know, run for office or, and I, you know, I mean, there's only so much money to donate or it, it's just hard. It's sort of like, but what is this actual, you know, I'm like, there's literally thousands of women she's mailed these, prescri- these prescriptions to. Mm. And that's incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know quite what the realm is. I don't know quite what, but that's actually what I feel like I'm listening for. Mm. Wow. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And an area you haven't yet. <laughs> You haven't yet like, gotten fully into. You've you've hit pretty much every other arena. Um, and for the record, I would vote for you um, if you were to run for anything. But I I hear you about yeah these these they're they're more underground actions, but very mm-hmm. very profound and very impactful in their own way. So yeah, and I. I mean, there just is like, like, regardless even of the political part of this, but I'm so grateful for people who do the big above ground things. And I think that's totally needed. And it really just has been for the last several years. I, you know, rather than most of the donations that I might have used to have done around the new year, um, like there's a woman here who's involved in the, um, like the, oh, I can't, I'm losing the word for it, but like she's adopted children and there's, if you don't adopt a child, but you take care of children who don't have families now. Like a foster. Like fostering. She's really involved in that. And she just knows the families that need support around the holidays. Mm. And she just grassroots organized. Like I just go out and buy a bunch of presents for these kids or buy Christmas tree or like, and I would rather, I don't know who they are, but I know they're in my community. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I can, I can make a real difference for people who actually live near where I live. And I know exactly, like, I know this woman who does this and I I just, I want to engage in that way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Plus, you know, not too long ago, we didn't know about what was going on on the other side of the world, right? And so we actually only could take care of our village, our community, our little, yeah, town. And, and there's something very simple, profound, and also like self-loving about doing Mm -hmm. it that way, instead of like, oh my God, I'm just going to keep activating and dysregulating my nervous system by reading everything that's happening all across the world in places that I absolutely cannot help, um, Mm -hmm. no matter how much I try. And yeah. And so just keeping it simple and close. 
local. Well, and what I love, because I, I remember when you are engaged around things that happen in Beirut, is like that might not have been physically close to where you were, mm-hmm. but you were very directly connected, right? So in that way, then people could engage through you to something that, that had engage, you know, had direct mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. And I think we can do that, but it really is true that it it's like, but if I'm not directly connected, it's it, I don't know, it loses some, there's a dissipation that happens um, somewhere along the way. And yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you for all these different wisdom nuggets. Um, Mm. you drop a lot of them online. So, um, if people are curious and don't already follow you or subscribe to your newsletter, whatever other ways that they can connect with you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Um, I would, I would say I'm very easy to find on social media. It's the great thing. I mean, you probably have this experience too, but it's a great thing about having a name like Kendra Kunoff. (laughs) There's not a lot of us. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, and I think at least I aim to give a fairly good flavor of, of myself there and then certainly you can just go to kendrakunov.com and there's a blog section there. And so you can read in all different, you know, veins of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, and I think that's a great place to start. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm, it's such a pleasure. Thank you. If this episode juiced you up, turned you on, and got you interested in private coaching with me, head on over to NadiaMunla.com. The Work With Me page outlines everything, the time containers, the price points, who I work with, and so on and so forth. And if you still have questions after that, um, you can email us at info at NadiaMunla.com to inquire about applications or anything else that was not answered on the page. And then when I receive your application, if I feel like we're a fit, we always hop on an exploration call before we commit to anything. And this to me is like uh, going on a date, (laughs) going on a coaching date. And we do that in order to really confirm that this is a relationship we both want to enter into for a period of time. We get clear on what it is that I can support you with, whether I am the best person to support you and how we will do so. So if this is you, I can't wait to get your application and hop on the phone with you soon. If you enjoyed the guest on this episode, you can head on over to the show notes to get more info on their bio, their work, their website, and all the good stuff. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We would love for you to rate and review the show, and I'd love to know your takeaways from the episode. You can do that by DMing me on Instagram at Nadia Munla.